where we've been going uh, with this series, Watch Your Mouth. And I want to go full circle. I want to come full circle tonight. We started off talking, uh, looking at the, uh, the passage, James chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn there, James chapter 3. And James has a lot here to say about the mouth. And um, there's a lot that we've been saying about our mouth. And I hope that you've gotten something out of this. I hope that you've seen something different. And I hope that it's caught you to either when you do say, say something that you know you shouldn't have said, it stops you and you stop right there and you say, Father, forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have let those words come out of my mouth. Or even better, I hope that it stops you when you are about to utter something that doesn't agree with God's word. That You stop and you say, well, I'm not going to say it. You're either going to say the right thing or you are just close your mouth. Because one thing that we've seen is when it comes to what we're speaking, it's better not to say anything at all than to say the wrong thing. Because, again, our words are shaping our life. Our words are shaping our life. Look what James says here in verse 2. James chapter 3 and verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. Anybody can reflect with that? We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So right here he starts off and says, if you can learn to control your mouth, you can learn to control your life. If we can be careful of what's coming out of our mouths, then we will, be, uh, we, we will see better results in our life based upon what we're saying. He's basically stating here, as a believer, as a citizen in the kingdom of God, you have an obligation, not just an option, but an obligation to watch your mouth, to watch what you say, to be careful of what comes out of your mouth. And this comes by a process. Verse 3, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Notice that obedience is a result of controlling your mouth. And that's where we're going to go today. Obedience is a result of watching your mouth. When you can learn to control your mouth, you'll find yourself in obedience to God's word. And I'll tell you right now, everybody in this room, that's where you want to be. You want to be in obedience to what God's word says. You want to be in alignment with what the kingdom says. Let's keep going. Verse 4, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Notice that even in the most turbulent of storms, even when things around you are contrary to where you want to take your life, if you keep your mouth right, you'll still get where you want to go. <laughs> the rudder of a ship determines where the ship goes, not the storm, not what's going on around you. I can have all hell break loose, but if I keep heaven in my mouth, I'll get to my destination. Let's keep going. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. What's he saying? 
your, your tongue and your mouth, even though such a small member of your entire body can direct the whole thing. If you let your mouth get carried away, your life will get carried away. But if we can control even the smallest part, we'll find ourselves in control of the whole thing. That's the picture he's trying to paint here. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God. And Father, and with it we curse men who we have been in the similitude, been made in the similitude of God. We curse men that look just like God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. This should not be happening. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? One translation one translation says simultaneously. At the same time, pouring both out. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So James here is painting a picture of how the mouth, even a small member, can control a large thing. Your life is in direct contact, in direct connection with what is coming out of your mouth. And so if we can learn to tame and control the mouth, we'll learn to have control over our lives. Go to John. John chapter 14. We have seen quite a bit, and there's no way that I could rehearse everything that we've looked at. Uh, over the last several weeks that we've been looking at this subject. One of the first things we saw was that what comes out of our mouth is determined by what goes into our spirit. And so if we're going to control what comes out of our mouth, we have to control what's coming in our spirit. It's no surprise to me when I hear someone listening to a certain thing and their vocal cords sound just like what they're listening to. Whether it be something on TV or whether it be a certain song. Whether it be a certain type of crowd or people they hang around with. What they're listening to, the Bible calls your eyes and your ears gates. Gates. And if you don't stand guard at the gate, then you're letting whatever... You want whatever comes across jumps into your spirit, man. And it's no surprise to me that those people talk the way they do. And then in turn, what comes out of your mouth determines what you see in life. So what goes in comes out, and then what comes out creates the life that we live. So in turn... These people are living lives that are filled with what's going into their life, what they're allowing into their life. So we saw the first thing we have to do is control and guard our eyes and our ears because it's not just going in one ear and out the other. It's not just going to your mind. Uh, the Bible says that it's seed sown into soil, which is your heart. And we know this, anything sown 
will come up and bear fruit later, good or bad. You can get good fruit or you can get bad fruit. And it's determined by what you're planting. And so we've got a seed that's being planted in our spirit that is now determining, determining the words that are coming out of our mouths. But Jesus said this, that the enemy, the thief, Satan, comes immediately to steal what is sown. So what I'm telling you right now, don't be surprised when you get out there and the devil comes to steal what's being spoken. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that something jumps up that is contrary to what I'm telling you right now. When I'm preaching messages of life and hope, we've got too many Christians coming to church to hear those messages but aren't going out there and carrying the message. Why? Because the enemy comes to steal that which was sown. He comes and he brings up something that was contrary to what you heard. So in here, you're, you're receiving a message of life and hope and deliverance. And out there, you're receiving a message of death and destruction. Why? Because the devil doesn't want what is sown to actually come up and bear fruit. Because if you start repeating what you hear in here, and what you hear in the word of God, he can't stop you. He can't stop you. He can't bring sickness on your life because you're going to be speaking healing. He can't bring uh, poverty and lack into your life because you're going to be speaking prosperity and whole. He can't bring depression and anxiety into your life because you're going to be speaking a hope and a future and joy. He can't bring anger and hatred into your life because you're going to be speaking love. See, sometimes the devil knows more about things in God's word than we do. He knows what your words will do in your life, whether you do or not. That's why he's always trying to get you to say the wrong thing. Usually the right thing is the second thing we say. <laughs> Usually getting the right thing out of our mouth is the second thing. And we've had to backtrack from saying the wrong thing. I want to get us in a habit of saying the right thing the first time, every time. Because then the devil has no play. The devil has no authority when you are speaking in line with God's word. And so we've got to learn to be in line with what he says. Look at John chapter 14 and verse 10. John 14 and verse 10. It says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Now watch what Jesus says right here. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. You're saying, well, what do words have to do with works? I'll show you in just a minute. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Go back to verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The first thing he identifies here is his relationship, his closeness with his Father. 
I'm in the Father. The Father is in me. Then he immediately alludes to his words. He says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. I'm going to shoot down something tonight that in America we love. Who is that? Who's calling? That's the yeah, that's the weather uh, weather alert, the emergency. Oh, we just got an amber alert. Father, I thank you right now that whoever the child is, that they are safe, that you're watching over them, and that they are returned to safety in the name of Jesus. Cool. We'll just start doing that from now on in church. Do you believe prayer works? Okay, we just spoke words of authority and they have power. Amen. So he says here, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. In America, we have something called the freedom of speech and we love it. We love being able to say whatever I want to say when I want to say it. And there's nothing you can do about it. I'll print it, put it on the wall. I'll make a billboard, right? We know freedom of speech is relative anyways because we know right now our very own government is trying to shut down the word of God coming out of people's mouths. But in the kingdom of God, there is no freedom of speech. Period. Now, Jesus, being the son of God, could have easily said he probably could have been the only one that ever walked on the face of the earth that could have said what i tell you are my words this is what i have to say but he didn't (laughs) even jesus said what i'm telling you right now these aren't even my words i'm speaking in agreement or in alignment with somebody else last week we talked about our words having power and authority we said what gives us the right what gives you the right to speak to your situation differently than what you see? What gives you the power, the authority to talk about something differently and actually see that thing take place instead of what's currently? What gives you the right to speak to sickness and disease in your body and say, in the name of Jesus, you must go, get in agreement with God's word, speak God's word over it, by his stripes I am healed, I cannot be sick, I do not receive this sickness, so in the name of Jesus this sickness has to go, and just by the words alone the sickness has to go. What gives you the right to do that? We talked about the power and authority of our words. But what I want to show you tonight is that in the kingdom of God, If you speak anything else other than God's word and what God has already said, it will do nothing in your life. Not only do we have the option to speak God's word, we have the obligation, we have the responsibility to speak God's word. You realize that God is not obligated to do anything when you don't speak in line with his word. When you don't pray in line with God's word, he's not obligated to do anything for you or anything about that situation. But on the contrary, 
when you can get in agreement and get your words in alignment with what God has already said, as we've been saying, then he is obligated to move on your behalf. Obligated. He cannot just sit and watch. He has to get up and move on your behalf. Jesus says here, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, on my own initiative. Look at this in the Amplified Version, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? What I am telling you, I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me does the his works, his own miracles, deeds of power. Here's what we said last week. You don't have the power. You don't have the power. You are never required to have the power. The power lies with one person, God. He's the one that has the power to move mountains. He has the one to has the power to heal sickness. He ha, he's the one that has the power to redeem and save and sanctify. We don't have the power, but we do have something else, and that's called authority. When you operate in your authority to use your words, Jesus says right here, because I don't speak on my own authority, the Father is working through me. On the opposite, on the flip side of that, if you do speak in your own authority, then the Father's power is not working through you. And I just go ahead and let you know, your power doesn't mean anything. Your power can't change anything. Your power can't do anything apart from the Father. Not even Jesus did anything apart from the Father. When we can get our words in alignment with the kingdom of God, the kingdom backs us up. I remember when I was a kid, if the teacher had to step out of the classroom in school, Every now and then, she would point to so-and-so and say, all right, Laura, and it was always a girl. I, I don't know why they just trusted girls to be in authority. It's never a guy. We, we, we always got gypped. Every time she would walk out of the classroom and say, all right, Sarah, you're in charge here. Now, there were some of us that, didn't see any authority in little Sarah. She was one of us. Okay, she she didn't mean anything. So we get up. I remember when I was in junior high, a big thing was spit wads. And we would take strips of paper and roll them up and fold them in half, and then we'd bang them on the table to make them real hard and flat and then take rubber bands, and we knew exactly what kind of rubber bands we needed and, man, we, we got real good with those things. Couldn't be too long, but it couldn't be too short either. Had to be the right size. And when you fold it in half and you shot it off of that rubber band, dude, you, I put whelps on people's sides of people's faces with that stuff. And little Sarah gets up, Mark, you can't do that. You need to stop doing that. And her authority didn't mean anything to me. 
But then when I turned around and realized my teacher was standing right there in the doorway watching him the whole time, now some authority has shown up. And what I failed to notice was that the teacher's authority was backing up Sarah's authority every time. So every time Sarah told me to stop, it was as if the teacher said, stop. And when I disobeyed Sarah, I was disobeying the teacher. You see where I'm going? See, when you speak in alignment with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God backs you up. So now when you're talking to Satan and you know that it's not my power, I don't have the might and the dominion and the power outside of God and outside of the kingdom, But when I'm speaking in line with his authority, God's standing right behind me in the doorway and Satan's over there disobeying and I know God's looking right at him and he's getting ready to bring something because I was operating in God's authority the whole time. Jesus had a habit in his life. A habit of never saying what he wanted. He had a habit of never walking into a situation and speaking what he felt or what he saw. You know, sometimes, and this is kind of getting into where I want to go with our series on big faith, but sometimes when you're waiting in faith for something, uh, has anyone ever noticed that things will get worse? Do I have any Jairuses in here? When he went to Jesus and he first told him, my daughter is at home dying. She's in the, the, the act of dying, but she hasn't died just yet. But then Jesus gets sidetracked with a woman with the issue of blood, and he stops when everybody's touching him, and he stops and says, starts speaking to the woman, and Jairus is thinking, are you kidding me? My daughter is at home dying right now. And what happens immediately after the woman with the issue of blood? Somebody shows up and says, don't bother the master. She's dead. Well, our situation just went from bad to worse. But Jesus wasn't moved. Jesus didn't say or agree with what everybody else was saying. He continued to speak, not on his own authority, because I'm sure even just naturally he could look at the situation and say, oh, man, this ain't good. I mean, I could have done something while she was alive, but, I mean, now she's passed on. What am I supposed to do now? Anybody can get moved by that. But he had a habit of only speaking what his father told him to say. My father is in me, and I am in my father. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have a hard time speaking what God wants you to say if you don't have a relationship with him. You're going to have a hard time saying what his word says if you don't have a relationship with his word. And if you don't get in his word and you don't know what his word says about something, you're going to have a hard time saying what he says about it. But... 
Jesus was habitual in spending time with his father. And he was habitual in not saying what he wanted to say, but only saying what the father told him to say. I don't speak on my own initiative. I don't speak on my own authority. I don't speak what I want to say, but I speak what my father says because me and him, we're close. And now, since I'm speaking what he is saying, his power is backing me up every time. Well, if Jesus needed the power behind him, how much more do we need the power behind us? How much more do we need someone else's authority? See, when when you're speaking to something and commanding something to happen, you got to know that there's an authority behind you backing you up. Cops, police officers, they're bold in their approach. They don't mess around. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think you were speeding, and I mean, you know, you were going this fast, and you know, sometimes it's speeding. and so, No, they're very bold and direct. Why? Because there's another authority backing them up. And if you need to go higher, you can, but it's going to be the same response. So they what? Speak with authority. Jesus spoke with authority. Even when he was teaching, even when he was just, uh, you know, going over the word, they noticed There's something different about this guy than everybody else. This guy speaks with authority. He spoke with authority because he knew there's a power backing me up. There's somebody else behind me, and I'm really just saying what he would say. If my father were here right now, this is what he would say about it. See, when you get that kind of boldness and when you get that kind of authority, you'll start speaking all kinds of stuff. And then because of what you're speaking, things will start changing. You'll get the worst news in the world. You're losing your job. We're shutting down the branch. We're closing this department. You're no longer necessary. We found a tumor in your body. You weren't approved for that loan. You start getting even the worst news. You start getting your daughter is dead type of news like Jairus. Yet you still remain firm. Yet you still only speak what God's word says. And then you get yourself in a position like Jesus did. She's not dead. She's only sleeping. And then people will laugh. I'm not in debt. I'm not sick. I haven't lost the job. I'm going to be taken care of. I have favor on my life. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I'm whole and healthy. I'm healed. Then you start speaking in line with God's word. They laughed and mocked Jesus. They'll laugh and mock you too until they lose their job. Until 
they find out they're, they have something in their body until they enter debt that they can't get out of. You know, the people that laugh at you and mock you when you're speaking the word of God, if you remain firm in your position, you'll be the one that they come to when all hell breaks loose in their life. Because they're going to see someone that was real. They're going to see someone that believed in their God coming through. And God will come through. And he'll show up in your life. And when something happens in their life, you're going to be, be the one, hey, man, I, I, I know I made fun of you. I, I know I laughed, but, man, my wife left me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Will you pray for me? Will you help me? Why? Because you're real. They can laugh all they want, but it's still real. They can laugh all they, they want, but Jairus' 12-year-old daughter rose again, came up, had something to eat, walked outside of the house, and everybody that was standing outside, because Jesus told them to go outside, saw the 12-year-old daughter that they knew was dead rise up again. And they realized, whoa. So guess who they went to when they needed a miracle? Jesus. Guess who they went to when their daughter died? Jesus. And they'll come to you. But you've got to remain firm in your talk. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I don't care what your response is. I believe God's word. Look at John chapter 14, verse 23. Go down a little bit further. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. You realize that God will meet you where your mouth is. He said, if you keep my word, We'll make our home with you. I will show up on the scene when you follow my word. When you remain in line with my word. And when your words remain in alignment with my kingdom, I will show up on the scene every time. That's what he's saying. If you love me, keep my word. My father will love him and will come to him. We'll make our home. We'll make our abode. We will show up where the word's being spoken. When you speak God's word, God is obligated to show up on the scene. When you speak with the authority, he brings the power. When you speak with authority, he'll show up with the power every time. That's a promise. That's a promise to you. That makes... That makes me not to want to ever say anything that doesn't agree with God's word. Because I don't know about you, but I need God to show up sometimes. I need God to show up in my life. There's times that, we, that I hit stuff that there's nothing I can do anything about it. But I know God can. But if I don't speak his word, he's not coming anywhere near it. But if I can start speaking what he's already said, he'll show up and he'll make it happen in my life. That's the God that I serve. 
Look at John chapter 16. A couple chapters over. John chapter 16, verse 12. Jesus is still speaking. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I want to be in a place where I can bear what God says. The only way you're going to be able to bear more of what God says is by accepting as truth what you're hearing now. God has always wanted to take his people deeper. He's wanting to take his people further. He's wanting more revelation. He's wanting to show you things that today you can't handle, but one day he wants you to be able to handle. He's not going to give you everything at one time. But as you're faithful with what you hear, and you obey and apply what you hear today, he'll show you something new tomorrow. But you got to be faithful with the word that you're receiving. you got to be faithful with what's being given. So look at verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now watch what the Holy Spirit will do. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Not even the Holy Spirit speaks what he wants to say. Even the Holy Spirit will speak to us in line with the kingdom of God. We have got to be like Jesus. We've got to be like the Holy Spirit. And we've got to create a habit within us to only speak, only say what the Father is saying. You, you want to do a scan over everything that comes out of your mouth. You want to check yourself. Every time, every time you get in a situation, before you say what you see, you need to say what God says. You put yourself in a position. Father, what is your word on the situation? There was a time when Jesus was approached. There was a woman that had committed adultery, and they brought her out in front of everybody, and they were ready to stone her. And they thought this would be a great time to test Jesus, to see what he has to say about this. And they asked him, so what do you say about this? Should we just let her go? Since you're in the habit of just letting people who sin just go on like they've never sinned before? Or should we stone her? And they had him trapped. And Jesus bent down in the ground, on the ground, and started writing in the sand. Didn't say anything. You know, sometimes it's okay to say nothing. It's okay to say nothing when all that you know to say is the wrong thing. If you know, I don't know the answer to this situation then don't say anything at all. 
when you know I don't, I'm not fully convinced on God's word about this certain thing, you're better to hold your tongue. Your first reaction when you see something that isn't good is to say exactly what you see. That's always our first reaction. But Jesus and the Holy Spirit had a habit of only saying what the Father says. So that makes it our goal in life to find out what does God say about it. Not what does everybody else say. Not what does the doctor say. Not what does the bank say. Not what do my feelings or emotions say. What does God say about it? And until I know what God says, until I'm fully convinced on what the kingdom's position and stance is about this certain thing, I'm not going to utter a word. Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 63. Jesus had, at this point, was saying some stuff. And some of his disciples didn't like what he was saying. Some of those that had followed him, not his 12 disciples, but other disciples that had begun to follow him. They didn't like what he was saying. You know, when you speak in alignment with the kingdom, not everybody's going to like what you say. Not everybody's going to like what's coming out of your mouth. But you're not here to please man. You're here to please God. And so Jesus kept saying, kept his position, and many of his disciples began to turn away, and he turns to his 12 disciples, turns to them and says, you going to leave too? You going to go? You don't like what you're hearing? But look what Peter says. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. When you are speaking in alignment with the kingdom of God, you're speaking life over that situation. You're bringing life to the situation. Peter didn't point to his friendship. He didn't point to his relationship. He didn't point to the fact that, what am I going to do? Go back and fish again? What? I mean, I spent three years with you. I guess I can go a little bit further. That's not what he said. He said, to whom? else are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. It was the words that Jesus had been speaking, not his words, but speaking in alignment with the kingdom of God, speaking in alignment with his father, that Peter recognized those words that you're speaking, those are words of life. 
And I want to be around words of life. I want to be around life. What separated Jesus from everybody else? His words. His refusal to speak what he saw. His refusal to use his words to agree with what was going on around him and bring death or destruction to something. His position to say, I'm going to speak in alignment with the kingdom that is backing me up because the only way I'm going to get kingdom power on this thing is as if I'm speaking kingdom words to this thing. The only way I'm going to get life into this situation is if I stand firm on speaking what my father has already said. The words that I speak, they're not my words. I don't speak on my own authority. I don't speak what I want to say. I speak what the king has to say. Because the Bible says where the word of the king is, there is power. Do you realize that just speaking the word of God brings power to your situation? The reason why your situation has continued to look dead and dull and nothing's changing and nothing's living and nothing's coming back to life is because you've been speaking everything but life. But if you can start speaking the words of the king, power will show up into that situation. It'll start to come alive and we'll start seeing something change on the outside because of the words that we're changing on the inside. We have to develop a habit of speaking only what God says. We've got to develop a habit of only speaking what the kingdom says. You've got to remember, you're not tied and you're not associated and you you are not connected to this world and this government at all. You are tied and connected to the kingdom of God. That is your home. You've been sent here to change something. But speaking what you see around you won't change anything. But God promises, he promises, if you get my word on the situation, I'll come in and change it. I'll change that sickness in your body. I'll change that job and career situation. I'll change that favor issue. I'll change that marriage. I'll change those kids. It's God's power that you want. But we're shutting up his power by not speaking his words. If we can just get his word on the situation, we can change it. Does anybody want to change some stuff? Is anybody tired of seeing the same thing day after day? Is anyone tired of dealing with the same issues day after day? Does anybody want to hook up with what God has already said? Bring some power and bring some life to a situation and see something change. Father, we thank you tonight that you have the power. You've got the power to change what we're living in. We're tired of trying to do it on our own. We're tired of trying to change things around us on our own. We don't have the power, but you have given us the authority to operate in your power. 
Father, you've got to change our words first. If we can change our words, we can change our life. If we can change our words, we can change what we're seeing. If we can change our words, we can change what's around us. But Father, tonight, we commit ourselves to learn your word, be close to your word, love your word, value your word, and then speak your word. Father, your son Jesus spoke in alignment with the kingdom, spoke in alignment with you, with the king, because he was close to the king. We want to change what we say, but that won't happen until we change our relationship with you. We've got to be in your word. We've got to be close to you. The closer we get to you, the more we'll, we will start to sound like you. The more we will start to talk like you. You've given us your word, not just to read, not just to put on a shelf and collect dust, not just to pull out every weekend when we come to church. You've given us your word to know, to memorize, to plant, to live, to apply to our life. And this word, it's not a, it's not a math book. It's not a science book. It's not a history book. This word is the only book in the entire universe that contains the power it has. So we place value on your word tonight. We love your word tonight so that we can speak your word. Father, I thank you for every person here as they grab a hold of this message, as they grab a hold of what your word has for them and they begin speaking your word, speaking your word. Father, I thank you that they will begin to see the areas in their lives that they need change in, they'll begin to change. It won't be the same because we'll place the power of your word into that situation. We thank you for all that you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.